This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holy Three Podcast. Hello and welcome to Coleman Had a Dream, the latest in our series of mini podcasts. Today we're looking at the two most recent games released by the FAW, uh, looking at the qualification for 2016. So we're going to be chatting about Cyprus at home and Belgium away. Um, hello everybody. Um, I thought the uh, the Cyprus game was an interesting one. Like from my memory, we kind of pummeled them even regardless of when we went down to, to 10 men which absolutely didn't happen um again i think i think it was uh, quite an open game i thought in the first half um and obviously a vital result in the end um before we get on to the uh, the, the ins and outs of the result i was just intrigued about what you thought about and again, things that like skip your skip your mind. I'm intrigued to know what you thought about the change in shape because in the previous two games we had the five at the back, and in this one we went back to a to a back four with two holders and what seemed almost like a, a free for all with the four players <laughs> up front at times. Um, what did you think of the change in shape? It was intriguing, wasn't it? Because we also went with a back four in in the Belgium game, and um, in I can see perhaps a rationale for the four in the Cyprus game for for a game at home that you definitely wanted to win and you wanted to be on the front foot. Um, we'll talk about it a bit more when we get to the Belgium game. But it it was an interesting kind of rewind, wasn't it? You know, you've in hindsight now, I think there's a we can get quite blinkered and. Um, see the five at the back as very much Coleman's default setting and norm and, and clearly it, it embedded later I think than than I rem, you know remember looking looking back at this and, and there were points actually where um the 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 midfield and the front kind of six as it were in that game in particular you could see elements of the, of the this almost the four three three pattern that we kind of have denigrated gigs for a little bit in terms of that being something that he tried out um, and there were points where you know it wasn't clear whether it was Hal or Gareth or George Williams that was notionally the striker and you know did we have a striker um, it was actually quite interesting looking at it through you know 2020 spectacles wasn't it back yeah. to, to that point and how I think we'd become um a little perhaps indoctrinated to this idea of, of five at the back as our, as our norm, when re- really, when you try and analyse it accurately, we, we kind of got to that point pretty late in the whole um, journey, really. I agree. I wonder if it was almost by accident, because we played in that way against Andorra, and it was a bit of a mess, but it was the first game. It then kind of worked better against Bosnia, but then obviously it changed for the Cyprus game. And I wonder if it was kind of by accident in that George Williams was playing very, very well and looked like a real threat. So we thought, well, maybe I can't afford to leave this kid out. And, you know, he's a bit of an unknown and he's, he's fast and direct and is, is, is an obvious threat going forward. So I wonder if he looked at it in that sense, because obviously we marvel at Ben Davis now, but he was not really playing much at that time. So maybe he thought that was kind of a more effective gamble, if you like, of the, of the two unproven, in inverted commas, players. Um, 
but I did kind of find that quite interesting. Um, and again, like we were just saying, it kind of your mind plays tricks on you a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I also wonder whether the absence of Alan and Ramsey had an effect in his thinking that he felt he needed a more of a bolst in midfield, effectively three people to replace those two as opposed to two people to replace the two of them. And then that had consequences for the back four. No, I think that's a I think that's a fair point. It was and it's interesting as well because you do wonder what had happened if Church hadn't gone off injured six minutes in. Um, what looked like the dreaded uh, the dreaded dislocated shoulder that I'm so fond of. Um, it was it was an interesting one because I, I thought when Cottrell came on, it did shift us more to a kind of a balanced way of uh, of attacking. In that we didn't have that number one striker. It was all about movement and and kind of play, people playing off one another, and it kind of almost forced us to link up a little bit better. Um, which obviously, like I say, I, I found quite interesting, but it was also quite, I don't know, maybe instinctive, was, was maybe that their plan B if they needed a goal. The, the whole kind of way it changed the game, I, I found really interesting to watch. Um, and obviously it did lead to the first goal. It was a great ball in from Cottrell um, that everyone just kind of missed <laughs> and it just fell into the back of the net really I have no idea where the goalkeeper was going I guess Hal coming across maybe put him off I don't know but it was um it was a, a very fortunate goal shall we say yes I thought Cottrell in fairness had a very good game having come on in hmm. such weird which such weird circumstances I agree. um yeah I mean I, I I don't think we can pretend it wasn't a cross um and the the goalie certainly made a hash of it um and I think the that sort of 20 minutes between about 10 minutes in and 30 minutes into the game, I thought we played really, really well. Um, and the obviously we were 2-0 up by the end of that because we had um, Hal's goal as well. But the, oh, and what a feed from Bale. Oh, my God. Absolute that, that one, filth. That, that um, and then I thought for the latter part of the, first half they they seemed to get themselves sorted out and that and had a pretty good 15 minutes and obviously they scored their their goal in that window as well um but it was it was a more un, as, as you were saying at the beginning it was a more uneven game than i i recollect um particularly in the second half i thought we got quite panicky um quite unsettled we weren't we didn't particularly address the fact that we'd gone down to ten men. Really, um, the yeah, the whole it was just untidy. A second half, really, wasn't it? I think that's untidy is a great word. Um, like loose is the word that I had written down here, and and that was actually you pre-answered one of my questions there a little bit. In that, I wonder why it took us so long to react to the red card. I don't think. Um, Dave Edwards came on for about 15 minutes after King had, had, had been sent off, which I thought was quite in, weird. Weird is the wrong word, but um, I, I thought that was the whole kind of looseness was epitomised by Neil Taylor, who I thought at times was breathtaking in what he was doing with the ball and going forward and pushing us up the pitch. And then other times when he was at the back, he spent so much time on his ass sliding around the place. And, you know, I, I mean... He was, he was a little bit lucky, I thought, maybe not not sent off. But, I mean, he did, didn't half have a few lunges at people. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get to the red card, uh, you did just mention the, the ball from, from Bale through to Hal. I remember at the time, like, uh, Hal was not the uh, kind of 
the cult hero he is now at that time. And there was a lot of people questioning his role. And uh, I mean, it's, it's easy for me to say this, but you can ask the boys if you want. I was always super excited to see him because I always felt that the the runs he made were the sort of runs that are so difficult to mark. Moving from out to in is such a difficult thing uh, at, at any level, but especially when you've got these Cypriot guys who don't play together all the time. It's such a difficult thing to pick up and I thought he did that so well and that was exemplified brilliantly by the goal I mean don't get me wrong the flick from Bale is like absolutely out of this world like it's so good but what a great run and the anticipation is the thing that I liked about it most because he knew what was coming the second he got that ball to Bale if you look at that again he barely even breaks stride the second Bale gets the ball or the ball is going toward Bale sorry he's just on the gas and look into that space yeah um, which again I thought was showing like the the quality of the build-up play and the understanding they're developing together, um, and what a cool finish as well. I mean, if that was me, I would have blasted that straight at the keeper the second that I've been put through. He made he waited for the keeper to kind of sit down before before kind of rolling it through his legs, or got, as if he was going to sit down and roll it through his legs. It was it was a great finish and showed real composure. I thought. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I, I think there would have been temptation to snatch at that if not you know, immediately, certainly earlier than he mm. did. Um, and the, the D was closing in on him and, and yeah, he, he, you know, he made sure he, he made the time basically. It was a great finish. Um, and it's interesting what you were saying about the flick from Bale, because it wasn't, I don't think the rest of us watching it were expecting that. That's obviously, you know, that's the, that's the time where your time together in training does, you can actually see the difference it makes, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, it really think, showed up. I think going forward as well, as you know, as Ramsey came back and um, Hal became a more, perhaps a more obvious striker as opposed to a forward, sort of forward play in midfield, which is kind of the role he had in this game, isn't it? I think that then switched his usefulness a little more as well. This, this, the fact that you had all almost this sort of rolling front three in this game I wonder whether that was instrumental in Coleman perhaps thinking okay well Hal could actually be our number nine here you know he can actually do that role um you forget you know he's good in the air as well as with his yeah, feet it's yeah so it's just it's I'm enjoying watching the games because it there's like the evolution that you can see when you know where we're going, you know, you know the outcome. It's it's really interesting to examine the games in that light, isn't it? I didn't think I would be getting as much out of watching. I mean, fun, yes. But actually, as a kind of education of our journey, it's actually really interesting to see the development and, and how we are progressing to wh- where and what we eventually become. I, I totally agree, and it was it is really interesting watching it and, and the development of players like Hal. And it, it, I always thought it was at the time. Let's hold firm at the back, and let's hope Gareth gets us a goal or sets someone up. And I and that was the plan. That's what I felt the, the plan was at the time. And there's there's very little that has changed my perspective uh, on that. However, I did think in this game it did start to change because people started linking up together and in a slight what felt a different way it wasn't just one or two of them seeing if they could spring bail it was um a genuine 
understanding i think is what i'm looking for that they can't start to develop um just to move forward a little bit in the game obviously we had half time and within i think it was 90 seconds um andy king got sent off and from my view in the stadium at the time i remember thinking like that's absolutely not a red card in a million obviously you don't get the replays and everything else um and kind of looking at it back, I couldn't help but think, I just don't know where where the ref has made the decision. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought to myself, and I'll come on to the actual foul itself in a minute, but the more I thought, I the game was kind of getting a bit out of hand, I felt. Like there were mm-hmm. a lot of lunges going in and like Bale got really badly clipped by someone. Um, Taylor was all over the show. There was pushing and shoving. There was a selection of handbags. Um, there were some really dodgy tackles going in. And I, and I genuinely thought, having watched it back, I think the referee has thought to himself at half time, and maybe a few of his liner would said to him as well, but I think he just thought, right, I've got to clamp down on this. The first big tackle that happens in this second half, I'm going to give him a yellow card. And it doesn't matter whether it's good, bad or indifferent. And I think he saw it and it was late and it was behind. And he just thought, do you know what? I'm going to take action here. This is what I think I should do. And I think yeah. he panicked and, and gave the red. And then he's, and I, you could almost, I, I felt like, I don't know, maybe I'm being idealistic. You could see it on his face because the second he showed that red card, if you look at it, he just stands there with his arm up in the air and he's just nodding. Like mm-hmm. he's just thought to himself, "Yes, I've absolutely nailed that decision," and 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 I just I just don't get it. Anyway, enough of me wafting. Did you think it was a red? I think there was enough inconsistencies in what he gave yellows and didn't give yellows for in the game that it doesn't surprise me that he gave a red because there was, you know, there was a, a as I said, an inconsistency in what he deemed was a yellow card. So it doesn't surprise me that there was an inconsistency in what he deemed a red card. Um, I probably on the face of it, no, because I think there were at least as bad tackles in the game that he gave yellows to. Um, But equally in isolation, like if you were just looking at it as a video clip and saying, was this, you know, a foul, a yellow or a red, I can see how, it might be judged as a red, that it's just framed in that particular game. It doesn't feel like it was a red because of the inconsistency in the other decisions. No, I think that's a great a, a great way to describe it. The only thing I can think of, you know, trying to defend the referee ever so slightly, is he has caught him on the on the on the on the heel on the on his Achilles, and I think it is his foot is ever so slightly off the ground as it kind of has to be in that sort of movement. And I think he's just, I think he thought he's tried to rake him. And I don't mm-hmm. think that is actually what's happened. And I think the thing, the, the only logic I can come from it is to kind of twist the example a bit and think if he had been six inches further forward with that sort of motion of of trying to kick the ball or kick whatever he was trying to kick, I think it would mean six inches further forward. He catches him on the side of the foot. And if that's the case, I don't even think the ref books him in the way that the game had gone. And I think he is so unlucky if you're trying to find a way to kind of defend the ref he's so unlucky that the speed of the way everyone's moving and the angle of the way that people are coming across each other means he's 
accidentally caught him on the heel rather than on the side of the foot. And like I say, it's a matter of six inches. It's not a, he's not lunged at him. So I, I do mm-hmm. think maybe that's the only thing to kind of defend the ref is that he's he's seen that it's on his his heel and his Achilles and he's and he's just thought right this is my chance to make my decision, but I did think he was very very unlucky because like I say I, I think if it was on a bit further forward six inches further forward I'm not even sure the ref books him it's just a bit of a tangle of feet, um so I, I thought I thought he was a, a little unlucky there looking as the as the game developed then we did just mention the the situation with Dave Edwards taking his time to come on why do you think that was I. I I honestly am uncertain. Um, I don't know whether it was because they felt that they'd already obviously used one sub with needing to bring Cottrell on for church and whether they were just sort of biding their time in case, you know, someone had put their hand up at half time and say, you know, I'm carrying X. Yeah. Can you give me 15 minutes to see how this goes? And you know, So maybe there was a bit more background, but it just seemed an odd decision not to... Um, not to rejig more or less immediately, uh, based on based on the timing of the of the sending off. Uh, I was surprised it took so long, and I, I can't find a a good reason, kind of structurally in terms of how the game was going at the time, other than perhaps they were just being a bit conscious with only having two subs remaining. The only thing I could think, and it's not really an excuse, but at the start of the game when Cottrell was readying himself and was coming on for uh, church it was an interesting one because it did take a long time for that to happen I remember Ratcliffe on the commentary was saying you know is Lawrence coming on is 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 um, is Cottrell coming on we're not sure we can't see they're both stripped off he's shouting so I'm not sure if maybe they just couldn't make their mind up and I think maybe they thought they're going to push on to try and get a goal if we leave the other four up front we've got a chance of playing them on the break getting a third goal nicking the game from there and then we'll shut up shop which would be quite a bizarre one but um i mean speaking of bizarre substitutions jake taylor came on for hal robson carno in the 85th minute well i don't i was at the game and i had no recollection that happened i can't even remember having a conversation about the lad coming on um I had to Google him to see that he would play him for Reading at the time. And if you do want to Google him, he has had a hell of a lot of loan deals, that lad. Um, um, I didn't realise at one stage he was Wales, I think, under-19s or under-21s captain mm-hmm. um, uh, for centre midfield. I think he's playing for Exeter now. Um, but a very much a one-cap wonder. It was just, again, it just felt a little bit bizarre to me, the whole thing. Um, I wonder with having taken off George Williams and then knowing that they wanted to take off Hal, whether they felt they needed to keep some pace alongside Bale, um, be able to almost leave the two of them up just for the threat of the long ball or the running on and that sort of thing. He did see that a couple of times in the last 10 minutes, in fairness. Um, but I, I just think it was fresh legs, really, that particular decision. Uh, and wanting to uh, know that Gareth could drop back to slightly more forward midfield if it if it came to it as and when needed. It's just interesting for me looking at the you know the subs bench in terms of people for fresh legs. Lawrence was there. He was obviously playing for Man United at the time. Um, it, it would have been well, I suppose you know uh, either way, it's someone inexperienced. But that would have been his first cap 
at that point. No, that's true. That's a fair point. Um, I would. I, I, the the big thing I would I was surprised at again in retrospect is that we didn't go to five at the back there at that moment in time. It was, it was five minutes to go. Um, and I was surprised that as a consequence, like we were looking at, you know, there's a Gabbard on there who could come in and shore things up for a little bit, perhaps. Um, so I, that was the big surprise for me. But I guess you're right. I think having legs and, and someone to run on from that. Um, I, the last thing on this game was is that we, we I think this is the first time we saw the first that kind of backs to the walls mentality of, of seeing things out. That is a classic game that Wales would have drawn 2-2 probably two years before, 18 months before. And to hang on and do what we did was a sign, I think, that things were starting to turn. Yeah. And I think the other thing that you could see in that game was was the effect of the crowd. For a, a stadium that was about two-thirds full, certainly made their presence felt. And I think actually played a real role by the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, the last 10 minutes especially for me, I, again, your memory plays tricks on you, but I, I do remember that being one of those sort of things. I don't really think there were that many chants or songs going around. It was more kind of just like, rah, 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 come on, that sort of thing. And it kind of, it, they gave a bit of a crackle in the air um, from from that. But yeah, I, overall, I mean, you've got to look at probably what we wanted You'd think Andorra away, Cyprus at home, Bosnia away, uh, Bosnia at home. You'd, they probably looked at those and just thought, if we can get nine points, that's amazing. Minimum seven. Um, yeah. And anything less is a disappointment. So from what we wanted, I think we actually kind of came out pretty much spot on. And I think from those yeah. three games, moving yeah. on to the Belgium game, um, we were in a we were in a great position. Um, mm-hmm. To look at the Belgium game, as we all rapidly scramble through pieces of paper to make it look like we know what we're talking about, um, the the, um, the the lineup was an interesting one because I would I was under the impression that we would would set up the Andorra five at the back and the Bosnia five at the back to do that Belgium away, and again mm-hmm. we retained the four at the back with Alan Ledley Ramsey in midfield. And then we sort of had a midfield, like an attacking three, relatively, of Robson Carnu, Bale, and Cottrell, who obviously mm-hmm. impressed so much um, in the previous game. And obviously, Cottrell and Robson Carnu were dropping deeper, and the idea was kind of use Ramsey to spring Bale. Um, and I mean, I know I shouldn't be surprised because I just could have just Googled it beforehand <laughs> because I know the game had happened <laughs> six years ago. But I was still surprised a bit that the. The lineup was what it was. Yeah, this is the one that surprised me. I mean, I could see, I could see the case for the four at the back in a in a home game against Cyprus, but it did it. It just looked odd, didn't it, that we'd gone into this away game with Belgium with just four at four at the back, um, and it wasn't that. I mean, I remember I looked up. You know, was was Davies carrying an injury or anything like that? You know, and it's just, um, but he was on the bench. You know that he. It, it must have been a very conscious decision not to use him, presumably because he wasn't playing that much at Spurs at the time, yeah. and they and they felt that they you know got you know got some solidity out of the out of the earlier games. But it it does seem a strange decision away in that atmosphere against that team, doesn't it? 
You've got to say, though, it, it obviously, I mean, there's not a huge amount of talking points comparatively to, to go through in this, but you, you do have to say that it did work. And I think the, the logic yeah. was that we, we were there to use Bale as, a, as, the, as the carrot, if you like, that, you know, you need to drop off and watch him because we are, we're going to give this a bit of a go. And I think mm-hmm. that's what they went for. And, you know, I know Cottrell came off at half time for, for George Williams again. But yeah. Again, that was just an indication I thought of, you can't take this lightly. We're not going to sit back here. We are going to play on the break. We're going to use our weapons and, and hope that it works out. And there was one example in the first half of Ramsey playing a through ball through uh, over the back four and, and Bale running onto it where he kind of yeah. broke the offside trap. And, you, and I remember thinking, bloody hell, like it nearly worked. Mm-hmm. In every in every aspect, it nearly worked. And don't get me wrong, and we'll come on to it now. We were very very lucky, but I, th- you know, that in terms of what it set up as, I was surprised. But it, it did. It very nearly did work. Yeah, I I just wonder whether having Ledley and Allen back there was was the kind of safety valve that that meant Chris Coleman would, was comfortable going with the four of them. Um, but I do think you're right. I think it was a way to make the Belgians stop and think a, a little bit, you know, the fact that they had Ramsey and Bale coming at them. Um, perhaps did, you know, did make them a little more cautious going forward. So, you know, so perhaps there was a a sort of cost-benefit there that we, I mean, we obviously didn't make that many chances, but we made enough chances for them to need to think about it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point, and I, I also think like you mentioned there about Allen and Ledley being the the safety valve. I think that's really interesting because I think that was what our plan was in the first half was just to stifle them and play five in midfield and have Cottrell and and Hal drop in and players rather than wingers more right and left midfielders and just frustrate them and cut down space for Hazard and De Bruyne. I've got to say, I mean, I. I it's a pleasure watching these matches back again, but I've got to say, I thought Hazard was absolutely, it was just a glorious game to watch. And I know, you know, as an outsider, you'd probably think, and I said to my, join my wife, I was going to watch this and I know it's nil-nil. And she was like, you're absolutely fucking stupid. When I, what? Surely we've got better things to do with our time. But in, in hindsight, watching about Hazard was glorious that day. He was everywhere and like at the end of the game and like I'm, I'm glad we got the I almost felt sorry for the lad like I, I, I almost felt like he deserved three points just for the way he played on his own I thought he was brilliant um but yeah that, that was what I thought the kind of plan was um was to to stifle him and De Bruyne um and it and it kind of works but I, I did think we were shown up in certain occasions Neil Taylor was one of them for example diving in a, a little bit where yeah. their quick passing absolutely did open us up on occasion. Yes, absolutely. And I, I thought it was an Ramsey as well. I thought had a had a relatively quiet game yeah. for you know, and it kind of goes against what we were just saying a few minutes ago. Whether the plan was to have you know Ramsey feeding Bale, there didn't actually seem to be that that much of that going on. Or if if, if it was happening, it was just like get it to Bale quick. There wasn't the kind of um, somewhat more killer instinct that you see in later in later games in that kind of relationship between their play. Um, I do think it's a good example. 
and it it goes back to what you were saying about the Cyprus game and the fact that we we would have ended up with a two two draw out of that game. You can see us getting that little bit more kind of battle hardened and just a little bit more resilient. Um, you can see as well, and again, it's one of those ones whether you're looking back in hindsight, but you can see the somewhat sort of fragmented nature of the Belgians and the fact that they don't really quite function as a team. They function as a, a collection of exceptional individuals. And ultimately, that becomes their undoing, doesn't it, further down the line? No, but that's it, a great example. And I, and I do think, you know, obviously you're looking at it with hindsight, but you could see evidence of that as well. We were becoming a team and they weren't. No, I think that's a really, really great point. And I hadn't thought of it that way. And I think, you know, I, I said that the plan may have been just get it to Bale and see what he can do. Their plan was 100% get it to De Bruyne or Hazard and, and see what they could do. And you forget Origi was starting that game ahead of Benteke, um, mm-hmm. who was kind of absolutely a threat at that point. Um, and it was interesting. I, I just felt the whole the whole setup of the game actually was really interesting and how kind of poised and balanced it was. Um, I do think, though, whilst I know it's great to... <clears throat> I know it's great to kind of look back and, and, and think, you know, what a great battling draw. But my God, at times we were lucky. Origi goes through one-on-one and Hennessy, fair play to him, makes a great save. Lombard, I had, that is the moment that always sticks in my mind about that game. Because I remember watching that in the pub and someone, uh, and Lombard has that shot and it hits the inside of the post and it's because it's Wales, your first assumption is, oh Christ, that's gone in. And it kind of, the, you know, that split second where the ball bounces across, it's just like the rip, the net has a ripple. It's, I don't think it's gone in. I don't think it's gone in. And then Origi kind of dribbles the, the follow-up just a couple mm-hmm. of inches past the post. And you, that was the time I thought, I think this might be our day today. And But with that said, I mean, I, I, I guess it maybe it's a silly question to ask, but do you think we were lucky to go in nil-nil at half-time? I think on the balance of play, we probably we probably were, weren't we? I mean that that's an obvious example. And we, when we had our chances, we um, we were creating corners or perhaps um, getting free kicks, but not really doing anything much with anything. There was um, you know there was a lot of overhit corners and oh free kicks that just kind of drifted out of play and that sort of thing, wasn't there? Particularly in the first half, I think. Um, so I think probably they were unlucky not to be, not to be up by half time. Uh, and over the, over the game as a whole, they, they obviously had, had the better chances. Um, but I think you can see their anxiety building. You, our crowd, you know, it was what, about two and a half K of our supporters, they were there. There's lots of times where you could pick them up in amongst the in amongst the noise of the stadium, which again I think says something about the kind of the nervousness and the tension that the Belgians were feeling because they'd had such a bad start in that in that group as well. The pressure was was on them in in that game, and of course they had other chances as well. Chester clears off the line at the very end. In fact, I think it was an injury time at, at the end. And over the game as a whole, I think they probably in fairness had the bad chances but they were the home team they you know they should be creating more chances we you know we are by definition looking to do something on the break at, at best under in those sorts of games 
And I think it's worth remembering, they are, you know, we all use the FIFA rankings when we want to, but they were the fourth-ranked best team in the world there. You know, they were a bloody good side. And I think it's worth bearing that in mind as well, that we weren't coming up against, you know, Belgium like we were in the old days. I mean, they were on, in the build-up to their peak, and they're there now, I guess. But that was really worth remembering. Um, it's also worth remembering, I think, we're just taking a slight step back, is that that sub we did make at half-time was interesting because I thought Cottrell was defending very, very well, kept giving the ball away. And I thought it was interesting that Coleman was willing to gamble that George Williams would be able to keep the ball better so therefore wouldn't have to defend so well. I thought that was a really interesting substitution. And I, I did feel it worked because I, I did think we, we, we looked a real threat. Uh, in the second half and I thought again your memory plays tricks on you but the first 15 to 20 minutes of that second half was sort of like a like a basketball game in a way it was your turn our turn and I thought yeah. we you know there was, it was there were no clear-cut chances I don't suppose um, but there could have been there were good opportunities like you say a lot of kind of dodgy final balls going in um, and obviously we've not mentioned the, the bail free kick in the first half, but he looked a, a real threat second half. And that first 15, 20 minutes, I, I think that was, you know, again, with hindsight, looking back, that was clearly the plan, wasn't it? We'll get in at half time, yep. we'll make a change, and then we'll batter them for 15 minutes. If we don't get a goal, we'll just ride it out and, and see what comes. Yeah, I mean, there was that bail sort of run and shot mm. across the goal, wasn't there? Yeah. About, I don't know, maybe about 10 minutes into the into the second half and then soon after Chester stands up was it Wilmots he stood up I can't remember yeah, it was, but yeah. it but it was very much that kind of end-to-end um like you say like a basketball game and then it was as though like 20 minutes in we said okay well right now we just need to see this out yeah um, in the first half I did I did make a note regarding um I mean, what I wrote was, we're not asking questions going forward, but Cottrell, Allen and Ledley are really busy. Will we end up paying for the amount of work they're doing? And I wonder whether the change at half-time was partly in relation to that as well with Cottrell. No, I think that's a great shout. And, you know, I think the way that we kind of handled the game with the substitutions and, and, and them kind of, I wouldn't say getting overrun, but having to do a hell of a lot of work, I think was showed in, in the planning and obviously what came to pass at half time and then after that. Um, mentioning Joe Allen there, how on earth Marouan Fellaini doesn't get sent off in that game? Isn't, I, I mean, I know we haven't got VAR, thank the Lord, but um, how he doesn't get sent off in that game, I will never know. Because at first glance, I was like, oh, that's a bit of an un- unfortunate one. He has absolutely forearm smashed him in the face. He's looking at him. He's not even close to looking at the ball. He has just nailed Joe Allen and he's very, very unlucky. But what I will say, Joe Allen's unlucky. Sorry, uh, Fellaini is very lucky. Um, what I will say is I absolutely adored Joe getting up, sorting himself out. And I'm just like, right then, you fancy it, do you? Let's have a go. And, and I, I really loved that attitude towards it. It just epitomises why... Uh, you know, you, me, and everyone else absolutely bloody loves Joe Allen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, him in his bloody shirt and the, you know, his nose ripped to pieces. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a very Joe Allen moment, isn't it? Exactly. And, you know, he probably, 
probably comes up to about Fellaini's knees. <laughs> you know, like... And he looked like an eleven-year-old boy as well. It's so weird without the beard and the and, the, and his very neat haircut. He, had. <laughs> he did look like I was just like, how dare you do that to little Joe? He's only eleven years old, dear Marouane. What are you? Thirty-eight? You horrible bastard! Sit down. Be nice to him. Buy him a packet of Haribos after. Um, it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, that was horrible. But um, the two. The two things I think I really want to mention. Um, player-wise, just before we move on to the obvious and the and the feelings at the end. I thought Wayne Hennessy had one of his best games I've seen play for us. He commanded the area for crosses and didn't let them get anywhere near him. And do you know what? That save he makes at the end, that is, that's a goal that they would have scored, as again, 18 months ago. Yeah. That's a classic. Someone would have cocked that up. But what yeah. a save. What a reaction. What a clearance. And I thought he was commanding all night. The other one was Ash, who was, I mean, I think you'd struggle to find a Welsh player playing a better role as centre half than that. I thought he was just, he was everywhere. He was an, he was yeah. a, he was an animal. He was, he won everything in the air. He didn't waste many passes. He had obviously, you know, he stuck to what we were trying to achieve with the ball as well as what he was doing defensively. Um, his tactical awareness was brilliant. His, you could see his organisation and that partnership with Chester was really building up. Um, I thought those two were just magnificent. Yeah, he he was. Just rewinding a sec, that header from Benteke and, and the scramble by Hennessy and the little Joe's clearance. I mean, that's another like last 30 seconds that you could we could have quite easily turned into a, into a nightmare by our, our usual track record. <laughs> I I agree with you. I I think it might be the single best game that Ash has had for us in a red shirt. Um, I thought he was so domineering and just made all the right decisions, just all the right sensible, um, controlled, contained decisions. I I thought he was majestic that game. He really was. It's interesting, actually. Majestic is the word that I've written down as well. Um <laughs> A quick word on the shirt there. Um, I have. I do have to correct you on one thing. It was obviously he was magnificent in yellow rather than. Oh yeah. Red. Oh, sorry. Yes, it was uh, just an expression. <laughs> <laughs> I only mentioned because, again, I had forgotten how nice that shirt was because yeah. there's no numbers on the front because of where the little red ribbon or what, not whatever band sorry rather than ribbon goes across the front. Um, there was no there's no numbers for the players and I'd forgotten that and that is it's actually a really nice shirt that I had a, a bit of bit of abuse for saying that on Twitter, but I, I thought it was a really nice shirt. Oh, no, I'm with you on that one. I like that one. Um, speaking of shirts and them uh, latterly ending in the crowd, I, I, I think <laughs> yeah. this is the night that Welsh football culture took a, a, a turn, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, we always talk about the bond between the players and the fans, but I felt this was the night where it was, it was tangible. Yeah. Um, and... You know, we've just watched 90 minutes of a game that we knew was going to be nil-nil. And I know what comes up at the end, and it's, and I've just done it now, but the hairs are standing up on the back of my neck thinking about it. That Zombie Nation playing, the, mm-hmm. the celebrations, the fans jumping around, the players coming over and clapping and throwing their shirts. And it was, I think that is the moment, possibly, I would argue, the most important moment in certainly modern Welsh football history where 
I don't know what happened and I don't know how it happened, but everything changed. Like the 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 bond between the fans and the players, the zombie nation, the shirts in the crowd, the stoic nil nil backs to the walls performance. I thought everything changed there. And the one thing for me, they showed an interview with Chris Gunter afterwards, and he I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he his one of his answers was like, I think I think this might I think this might be it. I think this might be the year. Do, do you know what I mean? It was that sort of thing. And I think the players, you know, it's your job. You, you have to say the right thing. You know, you yeah. ask me what I think about my boss. I'll always tell you he's a great boss, regardless what I actually think, because it's my job. Uh, and I felt I feel like the players do that a lot in the in the former. Uh, days before that in the build-up but I felt that was the first one you the look on Chris Gunter's lovely little face where I thought to myself I think he actually means it this time and I think that was the day they went into the dress into the dressing room were like right lads this is happening now like we've done Mm -hmm. we've done the hard stuff we've won the games we should win we've not lost the games we normally would lose let's not you know in the words of Stephen Gerrard let's not let this slip it was it was that sort of thing and it was an absolute delight to watch all that again. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm very grateful, actually, that they, they kept through the end of the game. Yeah. Um, kept some of that footage within what within what they shared. And, uh, and yeah, Gunt's just like, I think he was, that's one of those moments where he slipped into supporter mode and yeah. less player mode, wasn't he? It was like it's what we were all kind of hoping and yeah. thinking, but weren't prepared to vocalise. Um, the other thing I think that was noticeable in that game was just was the singing. You know, we I, we mentioned it briefly as we were talking about the actual game, but you know, to hear Cal online coming from yeah. a crack in in a in a stadium in Belgium was was just amazing. And I think um, I think you're right. I think if there's one evening that kind of epitomises that developing bond between the watchers and the players, I think that last kind of 10 minutes of the game and the and the 20 minutes afterwards that's that's it I think that is the tipping point in terms of the relationship isn't I spoke to Stuart who I, I don't know if anyone listens might remember who came on our pod to talk about racism in football a couple of months ago but Stu went to the get went to the game and he just said it was one of the best nights of his life like they got tickets uh, not long before kickoff and they were in the away end and obviously drinking Belgian beer all day. Life doesn't get better than that. And of course, what happened happened then afterwards. And that was a real, for those two and a half thousand people, that is a real once in a lifetime I was there sort of sort of moment. Um, just to move on, because we, I think we wanted, we were aiming for about half an hour, Ruth, and we're on about 45. Um, so we will move on. But just to, uh, the last thing I want to say is, at the end of this, we were top of the group. At the end of the evening, we were second in the group because Israel that night had beaten Bosnia 3-0. And again, things you think about and things you remember, I remember seeing that because obviously that game wasn't on in the UK. Obviously, I had a, you know, a lovely little evening in the pub, but that, that game wasn't on in the UK. And I remember the result coming through going, oh shit, we've got Israel away next. <laughs> Like this is going to be the acid test, and I know we all knew what. I know we know what comes next, but they were unbeaten. They had just beaten the top seeds three nil. 
There are other games. Wid struggled past Andorra. They beat them 4-1. And I think Cyprus, they beat 2-1, but in Cyprus. So going into that, they were probably thinking, as much as we were thinking, oh my God, this might be our time. They were thinking, this has got to be our time. And um, it's, it's you again, you, your memory plays tricks on you. I'd forgotten that. And going back into the game now what we know is going to come in the next double header of games, which I'm so excited to talk about. I can't even tell you. Um, but uh, it is, it is actually amazing that we, we kept, we, we were playing this team at their peak in the, in the qualification states. Um, and it was just, I'm just, it's just such a great time. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? And it, and it's, it's really hard not to look forward to that, to those next two games that are coming up because that's like, those are the ones, aren't they? They yeah. are the ones. Yeah. I think these two are the are two moments in time that I will always be able to tell you where I watched the, the Israel game and, <laughs> and my story around the Belgium game, which I'll retell until my dying day. But um, yeah, just, just, just great memories and, and great to watch again. Um, I don't know about you, Ruth, but I have uh, nothing else to add. Do you? No, I think I think we've managed to talk about two, what is it, six-year-old games for yes. approaching 50 minutes, which just sounds like us, really, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, a solid <laughs> effort by our standards. Um, <laughs> but there you go, ladies and gents. Thank you. Um, I'll, and we're going to release some more of the our favourite or memorable football things uh, throughout this week and we will have another uh, review of the Israel and Belgium games next week as well. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.